Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, motorcycle boat RV. They'll make sure you're fully insured, and they will also make sure that they'll do everything they can to save you money. Customer service means everything to them at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. On this, the 40th anniversary of the Pine Tar game, we now go to the master of Pine Tar when it comes to smearing other people's <laughs> reputations, and that is Macatrillo. <laughs> There's one good example of that. Can I ask you a question? By Why the way, is... Linda, Linda emailed us, and Linda agrees with you on Larry Anderson that it's time. I saw that. Very good. See, and now I'm three for three on that, on that subject. But my question today is, why is Northwestern? Why does Northwestern still have an athletic director right now? After the latest allegations that have come out, when now you got a volleyball player saying that there was hazing going on, I just at this point, like, why does he have a job? You've now this is now the third sports team that this has affected. Now, of course, everything's all innocent until proven guilty. I, I get all that, but based on what we've seen so far. This isn't very good. So, I just... And you already fired the football coach after he was gone for two weeks. So, I just don't understand why the AD has a job right now. I really don't. And there might be others that I think should not have a job right now either. Because this is a whole level of bad now that's getting to. And EAS agrees. (laughs) Sounds like a test. The um, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to pretend I'm close enough to the situation to know. From 30,000 feet, it's a good question to ask because all the stories that are coming out make one feel like it's not an isolated incident. And it's across several teams and not just one. So. And uh, you know, now, when you look at the volleyball situation, this is this is the part that is disturbing. Is that she reported it? Well, if she reported it. Then why? Okay. I mean, if she reported it, it has to go through him. It's got to. And doesn't sound like they did anything about it. I mean, there's a point where you do whatever you can. Um, 
to back up your coaches. Um, but at the same time, um, there's a limit to it. And I don't understand why there wasn't a limit. Remember, when they do sit down and investigate, they also do talk to people who sit back and go, nah, it's not really how it happened. So that, that does happen. That's why I'm a little more cautious about such things. Uh, there are two sides to every story, and I'd like to get both sides first to figure out which one is... Um, Legit. How about that? You know, you know, how much of it is actually true? If not all of it, you may find out in your investigation and talking to some of the other individuals that yeah, it did happen. But I think you have to investigate it. But this is the latest allegation where she was alleged to have broken COVID protocols. She says she didn't. She says she just got COVID. And as a punishment, they asked the other players what should be done. And they said that she should run suicides. And while running suicides... um, She got her, she was injured. Um, so Now, the question I have is, now, I know she's going to school in Northwestern, so maybe that um, plays into this here. I don't know. But, you know, especially with the transfer rules, you can get out of there. But you're also going to Northwestern, so I don't know what her major happens to be or so forth. I don't know. So after a long weekend, and when it comes to the rants of the day, your weekends seem to be longer than most. Oh, I got something else on the docket. All right, go ahead. This running back Zoom meeting that apparently happened, I think it was either on Friday or Saturday, Mm -hmm. it involved Barkley, McCaffrey, Eckler, Josh Jacobs. Mm -hmm. So first of all, this whole... I get it. The guys are upset with where their contracts are right now. And as we talked about with Saquon Barkley last week, not quite sure why he wouldn't be worth that money, especially what he does for the Giants. Everybody else is in their different situations. But here's the thing, though. There's, I just don't see what any good this is going to do except make all the parties involved 
dig in their heels even more. Like this doesn't get this isn't going to solve anything. It's not like they even came up with anything useful anyway. So I just didn't really get the point out of all this, other than just a, another platform for them to throw out their frustrations. Which guess what? Well, they're already done, and we know it perfectly well and clear what they want. We get it. So I just don't get the whole platform of this whole Zoom meeting, except just to create some more drama. And with Christian McCaffrey's case, he shouldn't be talking, period, because he's making $60 billion a season right now. He's fine. He's getting paid. Should he probably get more? He's Maybe, making, I guess. He's, he's making 30 Or 30 he's yeah. Making, he's not making 60 Yeah. So, or 16 as well. But, yeah, I... That regardless, he's doing a lot better than the rest of the running backs that were on that Zoom meeting yesterday. So he shouldn't be talking, period. So I don't get his involvement in all this. Everybody else, fine. But even to that extent, what is this going to do? This is this does literally nothing but create more drama and just that simple headline. So I, I just thought the whole thing was just a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, McCaffrey's only on there as a show of solidarity. I've got my money. I'm not going to bother being on the call. No, you don't want you don't want to do that. So it's just a show of solidarity, and it's not going to do anything. There are two elements to to hear. One, of course, is what has been the um, seeming devaluation of the running back position. And then I look at the percentage of yards from scrimmage and to me it's about yards it's about production yards and touchdowns and Barkley accounted for 27.7% of his team's yardage and he also had 10 touchdowns and, um, and that to me I don't care what position you're playing but part of this is also, and this never comes up. I don't know why it never comes up. But part of this is about your own union. This is something that during the Le'Veon Bell negotiations, I r- routinely said, hey, you know, because people brought up, I, I actually had somebody come up to you, it's morally wrong what the Steelers are doing. The Steelers aren't doing anything morally wrong. They didn't do anything morally wrong with them. It's in the rules. They negotiated it out with the union. You're allowed to do it. So they did. They weren't circumventing something. And I thought for sure, after Le'Veon Bell, I thought for sure that when the new CBA came up, collective bargaining agreement, that players would be allowed to be franchised once and not twice because Saquon Barkley can be franchised again next year and for some reason they let that just go by the boards like it was no big deal it was almost like one of those afterthought things like hey yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's fine let's just go on to something more difficult and they left it in to me the running backs have a complaint not just with the fact that the number is going down instead of up for being franchised 
but also the fact that it can happen again a second time, which happened with Le'Veon Bell a second time. And that's something where you your complaint is with your union. Your union is the one that said it was okay. And that part is never discussed. And you just had a new CBA sign. It's a 10-year deal. It's in there. So in other words, if you are a rookie with a four-year standard rookie contract with a with an option for the team for the fifth year, you can now be beholden to a team out of the draft for seven straight years. Four-year rookie deal, one-year team option, two franchises. Seven years. To me, that's the problem. And the union says that's okay. So there's two, there's multiple sizes, what the Giants have done um, with Barkley. Because Barkley wanted $22 million. He wasn't trying to reset. Um, he wasn't trying to reset the market because McCaffrey's at 30. You're not going to... Um, Reset the market when a guy, one guy's already making thirty, uh, which is much higher than um, and they offered. I think the high water mark they offered Barkley was nineteen. They didn't get the twenty-two million. Then they started rolling back from there. And that became a problem, but. But again, under the rules, you are allowed to do it twice. And the union said it was okay. That is a big problem. It's not just an ownership thing, it is a problem. And that's something nobody ever talks about. I mean, what what do you think? The owners released people one by one from the room until they finally got the second franchise year in there? The second franchise year is, is on the ownership side, it's almost a meaningless thing. It hardly ever happens. Hardly ever happens. Happened to Le'Veon Bell, but it hasn't happened to many other players. So then just get rid of it. Didn't get rid of it. It's still there. Oh, well. Take a break. Phil Steele today, and something tells me Matt's not done yet. You're not done yet, are you? That's all the things that come across from the weekend, but like I said, the afternoon is still young. Well, you see what I'm saying. I mean, about its owners and union. I mean, the union said it was okay. Oh, no question. The union's been at fault, I think, has shortchanged their players the last two CBAs, to be honest with you. Well, the vote on this was close, you know. It was, yeah. You're right. You're right. It was on the average was thirty two to twenty eight. Right. Uh, that's uh, that's narrow, but not enough. I don't. 
I don't get why the players didn't complain about the, the double franchise. The, the 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 original intent of the franchise tag, the original intent was around quarterbacks. It wasn't around running backs. And you can see what happened with Lamar Jackson. He ended up getting franchised, and then eventually worked out a gigantic deal. All right. Come back with more in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. After your stance on Northwestern, we are now referring to you as the hanging judge. (laughs) And not only that, it really goes with your baseball team because Aaron Judge leaves the Yankees hanging. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Actually, that leads me to one other thing that bothered me over the weekend. Great. But I can do it later. I don't have to do it right now. I hope so. We have music. We have Phil Steele. Of course. We got to make way for that. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Prudy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be, they'll make sure you're fully insured. They'll do everything they can to save you money, including bundles and... They will take care of all your insurance needs. Why? Because customer service means everything to them. It's all at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're closing in two weeks from Wednesday. So we're 16 days away from the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament at the Greater Susquehanna, at the, uh, Susquehanna Valley Country Club to benefit the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. That'll be on Wednesday, August 9th. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Always, always a pleasure to bring in the outstanding Phil Steele, because people will ask me, do you get any preseason magazines? I always say just one. It's Phil. Big reason why, pro's pro, but also he outworks everybody. This is not a passive. This is a 24-7, 365. Phil, welcome back. It's so great to have you with us. Steve, it's always good to hear your voice, my friend. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, it's great to have you. Uh, obviously, in a year like this, as, as since we're going to sit here with Penn State, uh, when you when you get to Penn State, you have them all over your magazine, a lot of top rankings. So when you've been looking at the Penn State rankings by by positions, what are some things that jumped out at you that put you in mind to put Penn State ranked so high at positional rankings? Um, well, first of all, defense. Uh, you know, going over the team with Coach Franklin, uh, he pointed out that uh, this is the deepest, most talented defensive line that he's ever had, and he's had some pretty good defensive lines coming in. They actually go three deep across the board at almost every single position on defense. Uh, maybe one or two spots they don't go three deep. Other than that, every single unit three deep. You look at the linebacker core last year was inexperienced. This year they're now experienced. And the secondary, you know, this uh, a unit that uh, finished right at the top of my rankings last year, number four uh, DBs at the end of last year. And this year has almost everybody back, including Kalen King. They do lose Joey Porter. They do yep. lose Jair Brown. But uh, they got a lot of guys back. So I think the overall depth on the defense jumped out to me. Uh, offensive line, Coach Franklin told me it was uh, had the chance to be one of the better offensive lines he's had. Uh, it's one of the better tight end rooms in the country. And, of course, the running backs, how do you go wrong with uh, Nick Singleton, Gatron <laughs> Allen? And then, then you add in a guy like Trayson Potts, who did a great job in Minnesota. So I, the, the thing that uh, I think when I got off the phone with Coach Franklin going over the squad with him, the thing that jumped out to me, Steve, was depth. Yeah, and that's exactly what I've been telling fans uh, over and over again. I said it's one thing to look at a really good first 22, a lot of teams have a good first 22. But where are you 23 through 50? And I think that's where Penn State has made the move. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, this is an extremely deep team. And I remember going over the team like in Coach Franklin's first year with them, and they were nowhere near deep, especially on the offensive line. That was a mismatch <laughs> at that point. Uh, and now going over the team with them and seeing what he has third string, uh, a lot of teams would be envious of that. And no question. Penn State, obviously, the questions that will come up for James Franklin will be getting past Michigan, getting past Ohio State. So let's get to Michigan. When you look at Michigan, McCarthy's back at quarterback, the two running backs, but they have a lot of transfers in that offensive line. What did those transfers up front, in your opinion, do to their positional ranking? Well, you know, the, the key, uh, you can get Power 5 transfers, and uh, if they don't have the experience level, you want about their production. And, and, Steve, going over the team with all the coaches this year, the thing that surprised me, and it, it's only after you go through every single roster and every single, single position, was the amount of FCS transfers that made an yes. impact. And I would ask the coaches, I'd say, you know, what, what's up with that? And, and the bottom line is this. If you come in with experience at the FCS level and they come in with a chip on their shoulder. But in this case, these uh, Power 5 transfers that Coach Franklin brought in all have massive amounts of experience. I mean, Drake Nugent at center, 12 starts in 21, 12 starts in 22. So he's basically going to be a third-year starter. Ladarius Henderson from Arizona State was a three-year starter at Arizona State. Miles Hinton from Stanford was a two-year starter at Stanford. So these are not Power 5 transfers that left because they weren't getting playing time. These are Power 5 transfers that were legitimate starters. And so... I think they're going to be able to come in 
Uh, their offensive line coach has done a great job. In fact, I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee. Uh, that's the committee I'm most proud to be on, Steve, because I'm the only non-offensive lineman or non-offensive line coach that's even uh, allowed on the committee. But uh, we've given the Joe Moore Award to Michigan each of the last two years, and they'll be up there as one of the candidates again this year. Yeah, that's what struck me because, as you know, I do a lot of off-season work to start getting ready for my games. It was all the transfers that they brought in Michigan up front were also from power schools, and that's what struck me about it. And sometimes you'll get a guy, let's take Trey Potts as an example since you brought him up. You know, he goes from power five to power five. But, you know, in talking with him, he wants to go someplace not just with his career, but also on the winning side of it. And I think that does play a role for some of these teams. Absolutely. And, you know, look at the two offensive linemen coming over from Stanford. Stanford this year, yeah. uh, I've got picked last in the Pac-12. They lost a lot from last year. So yeah. stick around Stanford, finish last in the Pac-12, or go to Michigan and perhaps contend for our, uh, a national championship. And, by the way, I think this may be Jim Harbaugh's best team he's put on the field in his nine years. Yeah, and it starts with the quarterback. You know, where where do you have the ranking with JJ McCarthy? Because I feel like of the quarterbacks Jim has had, just you know, because he's had transfers, but I feel like this is the first one he's really developed from scratch on a, co- a collegiate level. What's your opinion on McCarthy? Uh, I think, first of all, we're going to see a much improved J.J. McCarthy this year. And if you go back and watch the games last year, especially early on, they were playing with a leash on J.J. McCarthy. And they they could. I mean, you had the offensive line, you had the run game, you had the defensive special teams. Don't go out there and mess it up. I believe they're going to let J.J. McCarthy throw the football downfield more this year. So as last year he threw for 2,700 yards, I would expect more like 3,500 yards. Now, they're not going to abandon the run game. They've got the best set of running backs in the country maybe with Quorum, Edwards, Hall, Stokes, uh, Mullings and company. In fact, Quorum might have won the Heisman Trophy had he been healthy for the Ohio State game and starred in that thing. But when I look at the uh, quarterback spot, I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be able to throw the football downfield more and be an improved quarterback statistically as they take the reins off a little bit. Yeah, uh, but when it comes to quarterback room, you're really uh, big on Talia Tunga-Viola at Maryland, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you got to go with the experience level. And uh, yeah. Penn State, yeah. uh, Ohio State, both do not have that experience level. And with, with Talia, the one thing is they will let him throw. And last year he threw for 3,000 yards uh, despite missing a start. So uh, And plus they've got a good backup in Billy Edwards. I was impressed yes. when Edwards came on the field last year uh, in his two games. Uh, he's a guy that's got a high football IQ. He's an Andy Dalton type of quarterback. And I, I think that combination of those two guys uh, at QB gives them a pretty good depth even. In fact, I think it was the Indiana game he came off the bench because Jack Ham and I were watching that, and Jack looked over at me. He says, "This guy's pretty good. He could start for a lot of teams." I think if I rec- is I, Billy's a Wake Forest transfer, something like that, if I recall. Yeah, I mean, but that's Wake, a, Wake Forest. Yeah, six six three, two hundred and fifteen pounds, and he's a guy that uh, you know he's athletic. Uh, he's a guy that can run the football, but I thought last year, as you pointed out, you go back to that game that, that he played, uh, you know, he, he threw the ball pretty good. He had 61% of his passes last year. You got to like three touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah. 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 The, that last number is the one, is the number that the coaches love, the no interceptions. Uh, yep. Ohio State, Kyle McCord has to step in there. Um, 
So what's the read when you talk to Ryan Day about what he thinks of Kyle McCord? Because obviously it does not hurt the cause that Marvin Harrison is one of the guys to throw to. Yeah, and uh, Steve, I talked to 123 of the 133 head coaches, did not talk to Coach Ryan Day. Okay, so, gotcha. Uh, didn't get anything specific from him. However, poor Kyle McCord throwing to Marvin Harrison and uh, Igbuka and Fleming and mm-hmm. uh, the recruiting that they do there. It's the best receiving core in the country. In fact, they may have the top two receivers in the country. Uh, you look at the running back core. Remember last year they got banged up. Trevion Henderson, yeah. Mayan Williams. They had a Chip Trainum was a running back at Arizona State, was playing linebacker for Ohio State, had to move into the running back room where he still is this year. But So they're right. going to be much better there at running back. My concern would be the tackles. They've got two new tackles, and I don't know yeah. if either one is going to be close to last year, but Kyle McCord will have a good year. And you know, Ohio State, first-year starting quarterbacks, I think they've had the best quarterback in the Big Ten nine of the last ten years, despite having numerous first-year starters. So at the end of the year, Kyle McCord will probably be a Heisman candidate uh, playing with this offense and that defense. In fact, I rate Ohio State number two in my power poll, the second most talented team overall in the country. Mm-hmm. However, you look at the road games, they got to play Notre Dame on the road. That's not going to be easy. they got to play right. Wisconsin on the road the week after they play Penn State, and they got to play Michigan on the road. So toughest schedule of the, uh, the, of the top three teams in the Big Ten East. Yeah, when it came to voting for player of the year last year in the Big Ten, I actually voted for Marvin Harrison. I just thought he was that good, but wow. that's just me. That's uh, a good vote. That's a, yeah, that's a good vote. Yeah, they, they didn't drum me out for it, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the national scene, the three teams that we just talked about, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, will all play a role on the national scene. But others will play a role as well. Uh, so when we go down south and we take a look at the SEC, Georgia and Alabama will be two that will come up right away. Are there any legitimate challengers in your mind to them in their respective divisions? Yeah, I think with Georgia, uh, the big player is going to be Tennessee, and it's going to be yeah. can Joe Milton have a type of year like Hendon Hooker did. Now, NFL scouts are drooling over this guy. I mean, he's 6'5", 242, could throw a football 90 yards. He's been in the offense three years, did well in his final two starts. But Hendon Hooker, and you pointed it out, coaches love that low final number. He had a 27-2 ratio last year, yeah. just two interceptions. Can yeah. Joe Milton do that? That's going to be the key for them because Tennessee's got a better defense. They get Georgia at home, which is big, but uh, I do have Georgia winning the East. Now, the West, I think there are some contenders. So let's face it, Alabama's an inexperienced squad this year. They only have five mm-hmm. starters back on offense, five on defense, don't even know who who their quarterback is, uh, but they get LSU at home, which I think is big. Brian Kelly will have a better team his second year than they did last year, and last year they did beat Bama. And of all the main contenders, there's only two that have veteran quarterbacks this year. One is Michigan with McCarthy, and then the other is uh, LSU with Jaden Daniels. And Jaden yeah. Daniels, they took the reins off him in the second half of the year, and that's when LSU was playing their best ball. So I think LSU's legitimate uh, contender. And then I'm going to throw a surprise at you, Steve, and that's Texas. Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, 
Yeah, Texas A&M is I'm, my number I'm one laughing. most. I'm laughing because I was just about to ask that question. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, uh, you know, a and my number one most improved team in the country. And um, when I was talking to Coach Jimbo Fisher and going over the squad with him last year, Steve, we'd get to the end of the, the position, and I always ask for a, uh, a recap. And like the offensive line, he said, Phil, we're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country next year. That next year followed a lot of the categories. Last year they were number 124 in my experience chart and this year they're all the way up to number 14. And keep in mind, last year they lost their top wide receiver, Anaya Smith after four games. They had to start three different quarterbacks due to injuries. The defense was banged up. The offensive line was banged up and playing a lot of freshmen. Well, guess what? This year they're number 14 on my experience chart. They got 10 starters back on offense, 10 on defense. You know Jimbo Fisher's brought in top recruiting classes Classes that uh, are just like Alabama, just like LSU. In fact, the number one recruiting class last year, they now have experience. And last year, these guys waffled through a 5-7 and seven season, Steve, and yet they beat LSU 38-23. Right. to 23. And the Alabama game, they played out on the road in Tuscaloosa. Last right. play of the game, they're down by four at the Alabama two-yard line, throwing with a chance mm-hmm. to win the game. They could have beaten Alabama and LSU last year in a 5-7 and seven year. Now they're going to have experience. Now they've got the talent, and uh, I think with Bobby Petrino taking over the play calling, that's going to be a plus. They've got a veteran quarterback now in Wegman. Uh, LSU could be that surprise team that wins the West and, and could be a surprise playoff contender. Or Texas A&M, yeah. Texas A&M, uh, sorry about that, yeah. yeah. No, no, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, that they are, because of last year, people will look at them with skepticism. I think it will prove out after the opening month that – Skepticism will go away. Uh, that's just me. Uh, a year I agree. From now, it, it, go ahead. And yeah, people were saying about A uh, and M this year. They say everybody's had been high on them, high on them for the last couple of years. The last time I had them on my surprise team list was 2020. That's the year they almost made the playoff. In fact, they finished right. number four in the country. Uh, I have not had them on my surprise team list or most improved list either of the last two years. A year from now, when we do this. There'll be other times we'll talk during the year, but a year from now when we do this, we'll be talking about USC going into the Big Ten. Right now, USC is right there uh, for uh, in the Pac-12. Where do you see the job Lincoln Riley has done, and especially the job he's done in the transfer portal to form this team? Yeah, and you know when I talked to Coach Riley, uh, going over his squad with him this year, uh, the defense was our main part of our conversation. He knew they had to improve it. They don't have to be a dominant defensive team. Not with Caleb Williams, uh, my number three set of receivers, a veteran offensive line, veteran running backs. They're going to put up points. They just have to be good, and I think they can be. He brought in Bear Alexander from Georgia. Uh, he was my number six rated defensive lineman yeah. out of high school. He's three hundred fifteen pounds in the middle. Anthony Lucas, 295-pound defensive end from Texas A&M, number six-rated defensive lineman. They brought in uh, Mason Cobb, who was one of the top tacklers at Oklahoma State. One of the top cornerbacks in the Pac-12 last year was Christian Roland Wallace from Arizona. He comes in, so the defense has got a lot of upgrades. I think they will be good enough on defense. Not dominant, but nine mm-hmm. starters are back. And then offensively, they'll be potent as long as Caleb Williams stays healthy. And we saw what ha- could happen last year. Remember, Caleb Williams got injured at the start of that Pac-12 title game and ended up taking six sacks. He wasn't the same quarterback in that game, and they ended up getting blown out. But if he had stayed healthy, they would have made the playoff last year. They do have to play Notre Dame and Oregon on the road. A couple of games they might be a slight underdog 
in. But this team's capable. I've got them as my favorite to win the Pac-12, and they are capable of making another run at the playoff. I think they're a team, if they can if they can crack the 30-point barrier almost every time out, they'll win those games. I mean, it'll be the games that with somebody holds them under 30, if it does happen, that will be the game that they're in trouble. And and I think the defense will be improved enough where maybe yeah. that number comes down to twenty four. That's a that's a good point. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that as we go through this. I do want to ask you about Notre Dame because obviously there's been you know some changes there with what's been going on. Buckner's now down at Alabama. How do you look at Notre Dame? I'm really bullish on Notre Dame this year. In fact, I think Ohio State's going to have their hands full week four. Uh, you look at them defensively, uh, They are, all three units rank in my top units. Defensive back's number nine, linebacker's number seven. Marcus Freeman knows defense. He's got eight starters back on that side of the ball. Offensive line, this is a really good group. They've got, you know, where I said Ohio State's got question marks at tackle. Notre Dame doesn't have question marks at tackle. they got Blake Fisher and Joe Alt, two guys that the NFL scouts are wild about. This is a veteran offensive line. Receiving core, uh, that's probably your biggest question mark on the entire team, but yeah. they move Chris Tyree from uh, running back to slot back because they're so deep at running back. They bring in Tobias Merriweather, who got his feet wet as a sophomore. I think he'll have a better year, and the tight ends look promising, but it's a solid run game. They've got Estime and Price and Ford, and then last year, they used a backup quarterback all year in uh, yeah. Pine. This year, they go to one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Sam Hartman. I mean, this guy did wonders at Wake Forest and now he's running this offense with the talent that's reporting cast. They get Ohio State at home. They get USC at home. I can see them winning both those games. The only game I've gotten a true underdog in all year is at Clemson. And if they go 11-1 and at that point, yeah. I think they'd, they'd have a great shot of making a playoff. So watch out for Notre Dame. I know I did. I might as well just throw this in. Tell everybody your final four. It is? Uh, final four, I'm going with Georgia. Alabama, never discount Nick Saban. Uh, Michigan, they've got the best schedule of the Big Ten East teams. And then I'm going with Clemson. And uh, the thing is, uh, if you look at the ACC this year, Florida State's going to be the preseason favorite to win the ACC and ranked higher in the AP poll at the start of the year. But I like Clemson. And going over the team with Coach Sweeney, uh, he told me that while this defensive line doesn't have the star power of 2018, you remember 2018, they had all those first-round draft picks, one of the best defensive lines in college football. He said this group's actually deeper in talent and experience than that 2018 squad. They've got Carter and Trotter at linebacker. I think bringing in Garrett Riley, who took TCU's defense to New Heights last year. He's got Kate Klubnick at QB, Shipley and Moffat running back and a solid offensive line. Their two toughest games are Florida State, Notre Dame. They get them both at home. They've lost one home game the last six years. I've got Clemson favored in all 12 games. So despite the fact they're only number six in my power poll, I have number two in the country. Yeah, I saw a little bit of Clemson's practice before the ACC championship game because I was doing a basketball game down there. A lot of athletes. I was like, wow, a lot of athletes. Phil, where can you get the publication so people can uh, start loading up and getting ready for the season? 
I appreciate that, Steve. Now, it's different than past years. In past years, you go to your Walmart or any grocery store and yeah. pick it up. But this year, it's exclusively at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. So if you're looking for the brick-and-mortar stores and you want to get the copy in your hands today, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million are the two exclusive locations. Don't waste your gas money looking elsewhere. Or you can go to philsteel.com. And the yeah. interesting thing about philsteel.com, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge when you order it. Uh, naturally, it costs to ship things. However, we give you the hard copy which you order, and then we'll give you the digital copy uh, for free. And the digital copy gets updated all the way through September. So as an example, uh, on the Northwestern page, if you look at the head coach, we've got David Braun as the head coach in the digital yep. version. So we circle yep. players that are out for the year, get both the hard copy and the digital copy at philsteel.com. Uh, once again, if you're out and about looking for it, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million exclusively. What do you say we do this again about a month in and see how things are going? Oh, I can't wait, Steve. I always enjoy our conversations. You know I like talking football with you. Yeah, absolutely, Phil. What a pleasure on my part and for the audience. Thanks so much, my friend. The best publication out there for college football, and we appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's great talking to you again. Phil Steele. I mean, it is really not close in terms of publications about previewing college football and updating college football. That's why we have Phil on as often as we do. The best. You know, it, like the entire... I mean, Matt, what did you notice about that conversation? A lot of very, very interesting nuggets. And really positive. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Oh, my almighty!